scripture today comes from Genesis chapter 2, verses 17 through 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Amen. Worship leader and worship team, that last song was phenomenal, and it fits the message um, really, really, really good. So thank you guys for working so hard at getting that together. Uh, next week, we're going to be doing a, me, a youth Sunday school class. So now I don't know how the Church of the Brethren works if I have to go through committees and commissions and all that. So if I've messed up, Cool, but I would like to use the room downstairs by the steps. You got Mrs. Shockey's room here. I believe it is where the little ones meet. We're going to meet in the next room. So uh, youth that are going to make it, bring your Bible. If it's an NIV, NASV, open Bible, parallel Bible, I don't care what Bible you got, bring your Bible. What we're going to discuss is the Bible, what's all the goofy things in the Bible that you're reading, why do they say this could mean that or that? We're going to begin that because, we, in my opinion, we must know the word, what the word says, and the youth got to know how we got our Bible and believe that this is the word of God no matter how it comes out and be able to defend what we believe. So that's going to be a youth Bible study um, beginning next Sunday during Sunday school class. Also, we're going to offer an Ash Wednesday service. On February 22nd. Now, since I'm new here, I don't know if you've ever met on a Wednesday for a church service. So I didn't set a time because, frankly, I don't know. I thought since the choir met at 6.30, 6.30 would be a good time. But the choir is not the whole of the congregation. So if I said 7 o'clock service, we good? Okay. So Ash Wednesday, we're going to have an Ash Wednesday service at 7 p.m., the choir is going to sing, and for all who uh, want to make it, we're going to do Ash Wednesday service. So that's all the announcements that I have this morning. Uh, thank you for giving me a moment of your time. Uh, the birth of our firstborn son, Joshua, was literally a roller coaster ride. I mean, it was up and down, up and down. Um, it was like going to Cedar Point. Everywhere you went was a roller coaster. And the last week of Amy's pregnancy, she went to two or three different hospitals by way of ambulance. It, it was just a real nightmare. So we finally ended up back at Eisenhower Medical Center at Fort Gordon, Georgia. And I got to be with her. And I'm telling you what, for me that was an awful sight. They made her stand up. They made her lay down. They rolled her over. They turned her back this way. She was crying and everything was wrong. They didn't have her name right. I couldn't take no more. And I said, stop. That's enough. I said, she don't need to be crying. She don't need this right now. I said, you people have no idea what you're doing. You're hurting my wife. I said, finally, her name is Amy Lynn Jevedon, get it right. <laughs> I was politely escorted out of the room <laughs> and was reminded 
that I was a private in the United States Army and there was a chain of command. I wasn't just talking to doctors, I was talking to colonels, lieutenant colonels, majors, and lieutenants. And they said, you, just, you need to keep it right, son, and realize where you're at. So they moved me out of the area, and I guess I'm in the waiting room. I don't know where I'm at. I'm just, I'm frantic, you know, because I can still hear what's going on. All of a sudden, this little incubator comes running by me, and uh, there's a couple nurses around it and a doctor, and they're rushing right by me, and right behind them is a chaplain. And the chaplain says, Private Javadon, I need to talk to you. And you guys, you know, we've worked a long time. Anytime a leader says, in general, they need to talk to you, 99.9% .9 of the time, you're losing. You're losing money. Your work's going to double. But most time, it ain't good news. Like, hey, we're going to give you a $10 raise for being a great employee. It don't happen like that. It's something bad. But when a religious leader says, I would like to speak with you, you already know that it's going to be rough. And your mind starts wondering what's happened in our lives. Uh, my, I've lost my wife. I've lost my baby. What's going on that this dude has called and said he needed to talk to me? And you know how leaders are, just like I'm doing now. They give you a big, long story, and you're like, can you just get to the point, dude? I'm about to lose my legs here. He says, it was a very traumatic experience for your wife and your baby, uh, but they're doing everything they can to make things right. And I said, thank you. And I sat down, and I just, you know, my nerves was just, just had had it. Well, the day came when Amy and Joshua was allowed to leave the hospital. And this is about, I don't know, maybe a week or so. And they had her in the wheelchair, and she's holding Joshua in her arms. And just, you know, how a new mom does, they're just loving all over the baby. We go down the elevator. We come to the first set of double doors. I stopped pushing the, uh, the, the wheelchair. And I looked at the nurse, and I said, uh, is the air safe for my wife and my baby out there? In my mind, out there was nothing but evil, nothing but badness, and things I couldn't control. Inside those double doors was everything my baby and my wife needed to survive. We had doctors, we had nurses, they had food, they had water. We didn't have to run far in the case of an emergency. So I knew that we were protected. But maybe, I was thinking, well, maybe hospital air is worse than the outside air. I don't know. But I was really concerned. And the nurse looked at me and says, Private Jevedon, everything's going to be fine. Go on your way. Now, there is no teaching of how to be a dad or mom. They say there is. They got all these guru books and all that stuff. But there ain't nothing like experience. But I want to thank God for three things this morning when we went back to the house. The first thing was the old landline. Now, our landline was hanging on the wall. You young people don't know what a landline is. That's just a telephone. They had it on the wall back then. I want to thank God for moms because uh, Amy would get on the phone and call her mom. I'd get on the phone and call my mom. We used the landline. 937-513-7304. Mom, what's going on? We're looking at the baby. He's twitching. He's not eating. He ain't using the bathroom. He hadn't rolled over in 10 minutes on the phone. But thank God for moms because mom was the doctor. Mom was the nurse. Mom was the intercessor. And mom was the counselor. For instance, mom, Amy just won't quit crying. I don't know what to do to help her. What's going on? 
Amy calls her mom. Brian's an idiot. He doesn't understand anything that I'm going through. He don't know my needs. He don't know what I'm feeling. He just ain't reaching me. But the moms are great counselors. They guided us through it and helped us together with raising the baby. And they, they did an awesome job. And thank God for moms, man. Thank God for your mom every day. The third thing I, I give God praise for is the um, Bicentennial Chapel at Fort Gordon, Georgia. The General Protestant, this is what they were called, the General Protestant Congregation. You had your General Protestants, then you had your Catholics, and you had your uh, liturgical churches. They were called General Protestants. They took us in, gave us a baby shower, bought the baby all kind of presents. They had a clown come in, took pictures with the clown. They took care of me and Amy and the baby. And there was a, there was a chapel, it was a congregation on the post. It was very good to us, very good to us. And in that, the chaplains and the assistants really helped us out because um, when you do have a newborn baby, if you're away from your family, and we were away from our family for a long time, basically all three of the boys, they really never got to be close to in a sense. But when you're away from your family, the military becomes your family. And I'm just going to tell you, they would say, we want to watch the baby tonight. You guys get out of the house. Well, we really didn't have nowhere to go, you know. You're not making a lot of money, but hey, we're gone. We'll go to the Jiffy store and make a Jiffy run or whatever it is. Uh, but thank God for those three things in all sincerity, that we had, was able to communicate and help with Joshua out. Well, when I think about this sermon in the Garden of Eden, that's what I think about uh, what God had done. In Genesis chapter 1, God gives, uh, Moses gives an overview of what happened in creation and how God created things in six days. And then in chapter 2, he says, now I want to tell you specifically how God put man together and done all these things. So I'll give you an overview of uh, chapter 2. Creation is completed. Uh, on the seventh day of creation, God rested from his creative work. Then in verses 4 through 7, gives the details, the genealogy of the history of the heavens and the earth, how they came to be. Verses 8 and 9 of chapter 2 talks about Adam being in this garden. Verses 10 through 14 about the rivers that were in the garden. Verses 15 through 17, uh, God's command to Adam. Where was this Garden of Eden? Now, Moses is writing after the flood. So a lot of scholars, this is why they pay all this money to go to school. They start thinking, well, where was the garden? So they're trying to figure out the garden based on the four rivers that was in the garden and where they flowed to. So some people say the garden was near Iraq or the garden was near Ethiopia. But we don't know because the flood did change the landscape. It did change the rivers. So in the end, people will tell you, we really don't know where the garden was, but we believe it might have been near Iraq or Ethiopia. What was located in this garden? Well, first there was Adam. He was in the garden. There were trees in the garden. The tree of life granted and sustained eternal life in Genesis chapter 3 and uh, verse 22. There was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There was four rivers in the garden, the Pison, the Gihon, Hittikil, and Euphrates. There were animals in the garden, and there was a reptile in the garden. I guess a snake is a reptile, isn't it? That's, that's, you know, I did go to Shawnee, but hey, we're good to go. That's my, that's my home, and I, I love it. So in the garden was a snake. In this garden, God gave man everything he needed to thrive and survive. 
What did God give man? He gave man purpose. Adam had a specific job. He was to work the ground. He was to keep it in order. And he was to name the animals. God gave him provision. God caused the plant life to grow from the ground since there was no rain. Now in Genesis chapter 1 when he talks about the garden, the rain hadn't fell yet. So the Bible says that God from the ground caused the trees and all the herbs and all these things to grow so that Adam could survive and be prosperous where he was at. In this garden, God gave pleasure. The garden was a paradise. So Adam found true joy in his environment and his work. In the garden was presence. God had breathed life into Adam and walked with him in the cool of the day. They had sincere, true fellowship in the garden. In the garden was protection. The Bible says there was angels guarding it, cherubim. These were kind of angels who guarded the garden so that no one could come out or no one could go in. So there was protection in the garden. There was also parameters in the garden. Did not God say, eat this? You can eat here, but don't eat here. I have given you all of this, he says, for your good, to help you grow, to help you thrive, and to help you prosper. This is what God has put in every human life, showing each human's divine importance to the King of kings and Lord of lords. First of all, every human is made in the image of God. Every person is made in the image of God. The person feels the person touches, the person loves, the person communicates, the person has confidence. Every human is valuable to God. Christian or not, every person is made in his image. Every human is given life, the ability to breathe, and that life is sustained by the Spirit of God. Whether they reject it or not, every human is given life, sustained by God's Spirit. Every human is better off by depending on God instead of self. Every human has meaning and purpose in life, and it manifests in living the way God wants man to live. Now, people can say what they want. They say today, if they want to deny God, have you not heard the words, the universe has granted me this, the universe has taught me this, or karma has showed me this. These are all belief systems that man has to find out his meaning and find out his purpose. He has to grab onto something somewhere at some time. No man can do it on his own. At some point in life, everybody has to call on something else that they see reason to follow or reason to touch. But really, man has true meaning in following the way God wants him to do. All this thing that God has provided man can be summed up in Matthew chapter 4, Chapter 5, verses 45. This is what Jesus says. That ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. God's missionary nature is reflected in this creation. Acts chapter 14, he says, Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness, in that he did good. And gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. In Acts chapter 17, Paul comes into this big old temple area where all these smart guys are at. These are all philosophers and doctors, and they're always seeking wisdom and guidance. These guys are really good. 
I, I truly wish I would have got my doctorate degree and would have took all the things I needed to take because I, I want to be educated and understand where everybody's at. And this is what these guys did. They were very smart men. And this is what Paul says in Acts chapter 17, verses 23 through 28. He goes by a place called Mars Hill. For as I passed by and beheld your devotion, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and has made one of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of you, your own poets, have said, for we also are his offspring. Now, you might remember in the Old Testament when the children of Israel wanted to build God a tabernacle. God told David, I never asked for a temple. I never asked for a tabernacle because I cannot be contained. But all the other nations had idols that they could worship. They would say to this idol, you are my God and you are my king and work in my behalf. And God says, I'm not like that. God cannot be contained in anything like that. And this is what uh, uh, Paul was saying to these guys, that God made it all. And all of his creation reflects who he is and what he wants to do in men's life. Whether one is a believer or not, whether they're Christian or not, this manifests the goodness and missionary nature of God. It all starts in the book of Genesis. Whether or not you believe it's 100 billion years old, 4,000 years old, 3,000 years old, that it all evolved and God put it in order. It doesn't matter. It starts in creation in the garden and God manifests his missionary nature, who he is and what he wants to do in the lives of people. What is God's missionary nature in creation, in our lives, Christian or not? Purpose. We have purpose, do we not? We work. We have family. All right? All of this gives us some sort of purpose in life. You may not want to go to work. You may not like work. You may not necessarily like your family. But at least one time a year you got to visit them. That's a purpose. You fight all the way to the destination with your spouse about what kind of purpose is this serving. You fight all the way back home. You go to work. Oh, well, I got to put up with today. How much paperwork is going to be stacked on my desk? How so-and-so going to work today? Am I going to have to do all the work? But you know what? You got bills to pay. For some reason, you decided to buy a house. You decided to buy a car. You decided to have things in life. You decided to have kids. Now you got purpose whether you want it or not. But God has given every man and every woman purpose in life. Christian or not Christian, we have purpose. He also has given us provision. We make money through work. We gather wisdom and experience. God takes care of all people, believers or not. He provides for all men and he does it through his creation. God gives man pleasure. We find pleasure in our relationships. 
You know, when I get together with my old buds, we like talking about the old days of basketball. Are you still playing? No, I can't even see the ball when it's coming to me. <laughs> When's the last time you played softball? I played in a brethren tournament. I was playing second base. The ball hit, and I went just like that. <laughs> and the, the coach says, Brian, what are you doing? I said, I'm watching that ball go by. <laughs> I can't get down there to, and get it. After the game, we had pleasure. We laughed about it. We were old. I couldn't pull off my cleats. Amy had to take off my cleats, had to throw me in the car. But we found pleasure in being together. All men find pleasure in relationships. I find pleasure in going to Florida and being at the beach with my wife. Now, I also find pleasure in sports. Not all the time. It may not be the pleasure that most people have because I get agitated. But Christian or not, we have pleasure in these things. And we take pleasure in seeing other people have it. Happy. We have pleasure in getting away. Don't you have a place you like to go to on the weekends? You know, Friday night, you might say, we're out of here. We're going to go away Friday night. We're going to come back Saturday night. People take pleasure in church. In church, they feel God. They've had a rough week. They come to church because they feel God. They want to experience him and they want to know him. And that's where they find pleasure. Church, for me, I love coming on Sunday morning. Even when I wasn't pastoring, I wanted to be there because I knew around me in my Sunday school class was men who knew me and, and moved me on. And it was great pleasure to be around those guys. We also have presence. We sense God's presence when we see his handiwork in all aspects of life. People can give credit to how the trees grow and how the rains come and how the plants come up. But ultimately, it's God and his handiwork and what he done in creation that we sense and see his presence. That he cannot be denied. God cannot be denied just based on what he done in his handiwork. His presence is here with us this morning because of what Jesus Christ done on the cross. God offers man protection. We have protection from the elements. We have protection from those who desire to do us evil. God provides man protection. But also men, Christian and non-Christian, no matter where you live, have parameters. Every man, woman, and child has some kind of human law they live by. Kids are known by cliques, are they not? The poor kids have a clique. The kids with glasses have a clique. The rich kids have a clique. The big boys are bullies if they play sports. Only certain ones get to be cheerleaders, and the big bully on the football team gets to date the hot rod cheerleader. Are there not parameters? You know, he's not going to go down to Nerdsville, <coughs> the big football stud, and say, let me go down to Nerdsville and date the nerd whose glasses are so thick that you, just, they can't, you can't see your eyeball. The same way the hot rod cheerleader ain't going to go down there and, and get that guy who's really, really smart. <coughs> it don't work like that. Everybody has parameters in every relationship. Poor people have parameters that they live by. No matter if they have a house or not, every human being has some kind of parameters in which they live by, and you can't get around it. Just as certain people don't like the parameters, you know. People don't like God's parameters, so they walk away from God. People don't like a certain parameters wherever they're working, they walk away from the work. But all men, all women have parameters to live by. All of this has been given to man because of God's perfect love for him. God loves mankind. 
West Alexandria Church of the Brethren, this morning, we, as a body of Christ, have everything needed to be God's missionary people. Right? We got us as a congregation. We have us. We're together. We have finances. We have money. We have jobs. We have prayers. We have all the things needed right here in this congregation to be God's missionary people. And the most important thing we have is the Lord Jesus Christ. He reigns in our hearts. He touches us. He lives within us. His Holy Spirit works through us. So we have everything that we need to be his people in a missionary way. I did not mention this morning the full of creation. And I did that for a reason. I did it for this reason right here. The Bible says that um, the earth was without form and darkness covered it. In other words, the earth was in chaos, in a sense. There was no uniformity to it, nothing to it. But God came in and he says, I see the earth is without form and darkness is everywhere. And what does God want to do? He brought order to the earth. God brings order to chaos. And I just want to say to you this morning that next week we will participate in the most important service we'll ever do, and that's Holy Communion. And you know what Jesus done? He brought order to chaos when he died and rose again. Was your life in chaos before he came into your heart? Was your life all messed up? The God who took the earth when it was all out of whack and said, I'm going to make it right, and I'm going to put you in this garden, and I'm going to do all these things for you. He done it for you, and we're going to celebrate that at the communion table. Aren't you so glad this morning that he took all the chaos and all the mess in your life, and he says, I see that. My son will die, and he will rise again, and he will give you order in your life. I can't wait for next Sunday, if I'm still alive, that God will grant me such order out of chaos, that he would send his son to die and rise again. God is a missionary-minded God looking for a missionary-minded people to spread his love across the earth. May we be that people this morning, West Alexandria Church of the Brethren. Amen. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that creation teaches us your missionary nature, that you're a missionary-minded God looking for a missionary-minded people to spread your love throughout the earth. Thank you, God, and all the things that you provided Adam in that Garden of Eden to help him to thrive and prosper and show him what it was to be in your presence, what it was to serve you and follow you. And Lord, even though he messed up and was kicked out of the garden, just like Almighty God, you took the earth being in darkness and way out of whack. You sent the King of kings and Lord of lords. You made this sacrifice on behalf of man when he couldn't make it himself. We anticipate that service next week, Lord. And this week, I'll be grateful for all what you've done and taking the chaos and giving me order. Hear us this morning, Lord. We want to be your missionary-minded people. We want to follow you. We want to serve you. We want to love you. And anything that's broken in our lives and in our hearts, we ask you to be the healer and the mender. 
as we draw nigh to you this week. Hear me now, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.